So our text this morning is going to be found in Luke chapter 20, verses 20 through 26. Luke 20, verses 20 through 26. And as you are turning there, just a brief announcement about tonight. Uh, 6.30 p.m., we have our normal uh, evening service. We've been doing that outside. Uh, But looking at the weather, it's going to be close to 90 degrees and insanely humid. So um, what we're going to attempt to do, and I'm going to ask everybody just to look on Facebook for this, is that uh, our Burmese congregation comes and meets before us. Um, Last week they were uh, done very early. If that is the same case this week, we will meet in here tonight uh, and maybe enjoy a little bit of air conditioning instead of being outside in the 90-degree heat. So uh, look on Facebook around about 5.30. We will have an answer uh, to whether we will be outside or inside. So just want to make that uh, announcement. So as we are looking at today's uh, text, I have to tell you, as I was planning out this sermon series, uh, this I knew we would come to, this passage. And I knew that we are also in an election year and that this is probably going to be the most political sermon I will have all year. And uh, I recognize that, and I've been praying through that. And I also recognize that 2020 has already been a crazy year. We've had coronavirus. We certainly have had uh, issues with uh, uh, race relations and everything that we see going on in the headlines right now. But if you thought coronavirus was crazy, and, and you uh, have been following the news with everything going on with George Floyd's death, and you've seen uh, the chaos surrounding that. You ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to 2020 political season. That's just going to add fuel to the fire. And I recognize that as I dive into this particular passage that there are many faithful Christians on both sides of the political aisle. But the reason why I say that as we come into the season, you haven't seen anything yet, is because I've already begun to see the rhetoric that is coming forth from this. And I've already seen the, uh, on Facebook and other social media the, the quotes of, you cannot be a Christian if you are a Democrat. You cannot be a Christian if you are a Republican. We are very much in the United States affiliated with uh, political tribalism. And it has become hateful, it has become harmful, and division will continue to arise. And certainly this dovetails from what I was preaching on last week about how we as Christians must love one another, we must also love our neighbor. And so as we go into today's text, The main point that I want to make today is this. If you identify more with a donkey or with an elephant than you do the cross of Christ, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And we must be careful as Christians whose identity we bear. Whose identity we bear. And so identity is exactly what we're going to be talking about Today. That's what this entire sermon is on because we will see Jesus is being, uh, it, it, there's an attempt to try to trap him politically. So if you have found Luke chapter 20, verses 20 through 26, and you are able, will you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? 
It says this. They watched closely and sent spies who pretended to be righteous so that they could catch him in what he said to hand him over to the governor's rule and authority. They questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly, and you don't show partiality, but teach truthfully the way of God. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But detecting their craftiness, he said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? Caesar's, they said. Well then, he told them, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. They were not able to catch him in what he said in public. And being amazed at his answer, they became silent. Let's pray. Mighty Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house and to be spread out. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us. Father, that your word would speak truth into our life. Father, that would crush our tribalism. Father, that would remind us that we are created in your image. And Father, I pray that you would speak and move me out of the way. Lord, that by your word we may worship and be unified. And Lord, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my would be acceptable in your sight. Father, I pray all of this in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. To give a little bit of background of where we are right here in Romans chapter 20, we are in the Passion Week. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem triumphantly, and over these next seven days, he will experience the last week before his crucifixion. And there's a lot that's going on during this time. Last week, we, were, we fast forward a little bit in time and we saw the last supper that he had with his disciples. Now we scoop back just a few days in time and Jesus has been preaching and he's been teaching and he's been sharing parables and he is in the heart of Jerusalem during the Passover season and the crowds are beginning to build and to swell inside of Jerusalem. Contextually, in Luke 20... Jesus has already given a parable and has already confronted the Pharisees and the scribes. And he has made them look foolish in front of the people. And so as we come to verse 20, we go back in 19 and we see that it is the scribes and the high priests who have sent these spies who pretend to be righteous. And they're coming after Jesus. And as we can see, this text is very familiar to us. But this text is proverbial. We, we use it in our common language today. But what we can see from it is that this text centers around the tale of two coins. Now, it doesn't seem apparent that it's about two coins, but it is. It's a tale of two coins. So the first thing I want us to see as we move through this is we need to see Caesar's coin. Caesar's coin. And certainly this is what we look at from a governmental standpoint. Caesar's coin. Well, a little bit of information. Caesar's coin was the denarius. And the denarius was equivalent to one day's wage. It was minted and it was issued by the Roman government and spread out through all of its territories, including Palestine and Judea, where it became a common currency amongst the other currencies of the day. It was used to buy anything, wheat, flour, bread, but it was in particular used to pay taxes. 
is what needed to go back to Rome. You paid your taxes with the denarius. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this as we move forward. So Caesar's coin was the denarius, but Caesar's coin is also fraught with politics. Caesar's coin is fraught with politics. In fact, in the synoptic account of this in Mark 12, 13, that leads into the same text, we see that the scribes and the high priest send two factions to confront Jesus. Mark 12, 13 says this, Then they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to trap him in his words. These spies that came before Jesus and were flattering to him. They were insincere in what they said. I read something that was amazing in this. I, 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 I think is brilliant. Is that flattery is the opposite of gossip. Whereas gossip, you would say something behind someone's back that you would never say to their face. Flattery is something you say to someone's face that you would never say behind their back. You are puffing them up with words that you don't mean. But what's fascinating about this is if we focus on these spies being the Pharisees and the Herodians, these were two vastly different political identities in Jewish culture. The Pharisees were conservative. They were very religious. And they were absolutely distrustful of the Roman government. They wanted Rome out of their business. The Herodians, on the other hand, were far more liberal. They were followers of Herod the Great, who was the puppet king of Rome. And so they were lovers of Rome and lovers of Roman government and desired to see Rome speak more into their lives. On paper... The Pharisees and the Herodians hated each other. They had nothing in common except one thing, as we see in our text today. They hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. See, Jesus was not for them. Jesus was for God. In fact, as we just alluded to, Jesus made both groups seem foolish in front of the people because of his God-centeredness. And so the Pharisees' hate for Jesus was so strong that they teamed up with the Herodians to try to entrap Jesus. And not only that, the Pharisees who hate the Roman government wanted to engage the Roman government to kill Jesus. You notice from the text here it says this, in verse 20, they wanted to catch him on what he said and hand him over to the governor's rule and authority. So that we don't miss what that is and who that is, the governor's rule and authority is Pontius Pilate. We're seeing him already make an entrance in the text, just labeled as the governor. This is the governor, Pontius Pilate, Roman rule. The Pharisees were okay with engaging Rome if it meant the death of Jesus. And that's something we need to take into account even in our own day, is how much politics truly loves Jesus. So Caesar's coin is fraught with politics, but Caesar's coin also carries a trap. You see in this what the entire intention was, 
to trap Jesus in his word. So what is the trap that these two political groups that are not aligned, but whose hate for Jesus has brought them together, what is the trap that they want to spring on Jesus? Well, it's not too dissimilar in one sense to the trap that Jesus sprung on them earlier in the first part of 20 when he speaks of John the Baptist. He catches them in a thought that they can't even answer because they recognize whichever way they answer, they're in trouble. So they do the same to him. And see, this is the trap is that if Jesus answers their question in the affirmative, where they say, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? If he says, yes, pay your taxes, then the people that follow Jesus will hate him. See, tax collectors were dreaded. Rome was dreaded. No one loved them. And so if Jesus says, yes, pay your taxes, follow after Caesar, the general populace would abandon Jesus and hate him. So the Pharisees would have their victory. But if he says, no, don't pay your taxes, then he could very quickly be charged with insurrection against the government and be handed over very easily to Pilate. And so the Herodians would get their way. Either way, the trap was this. Jesus is going to answer incorrectly, and he's going to run afoul of the people, or he's going to run afoul of the government. So Caesar's coin carries a trap. And what's interesting on this, just a sidebar very quickly, is when it says in 22, is it lawful for us? It's not speaking of lawful with Rome. It's speaking of lawful in the Torah. Should we pay this? So there is this trap that's associated with Caesar's coin. And if we're not careful, in 21st century America, Caesar's coin can trap us too into saying something that one side or the other will use against us. Caesar's coin is a trap for us all. The other thing I want to see in this is that Caesar's coin has earthly authority, but very little value. Caesar's coin has earthly authority, but very little value. Notice that when Jesus speaks, he says to them, show me a denarius, whose image and inscription does it have? Image and inscription. And so this morning I brought a picture along with me that is a denarius. So we'll put that up on the screen. And if you're watching online, you'll see that just here in a second. But this is a denarius so that you can see it. To explain a little bit about what you're seeing here on the front side of the coin is the image of Tiberius Caesar, who is the emperor of Rome at this time. The inscription around his head reads this, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Or, if you would like a simpler translation, Tiberius, son of God. On the back, you will see an image of Leva, his mother, sitting on a chair holding an olive branch and a staff. The inscription around her reads, Pontifex Maximus, which means highest priest. And of course, as she is holding an olive branch, it means that she is also the peace bringer. So on the front, the emperor, son of God. On the back, highest priest, bringer of peace. And so this denarius, as we move forward, it was used to pay a particular tax as I was saying earlier. 
But this tax is called the poll tax. The poll tax. And so what this meant in Rome is that every adult male and female must give Caesar his coin simply because they existed and lived under his authority. I want to say that again. This coin was used to pay a tax to Caesar simply because an adult lived, existed, and lived under his authority. So as we go through this, everyone had to do this. And remember that this was only a day's wage. Yes, a day's wage, but when you consider the lifetime of money that you would make, it is ultimately of very little value. And it goes back to Caesar because he had the authority to demand the tax as emperor. Thus, Jesus says to the spies that are coming against them, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar. This belongs to him. It has his image. And because you live under his authority, you give it to him. And so with that knowledge about Caesar's coin, we now need to switch over to the second thing I want us to look at today. And that's God's coin. God's coin. So if we apply the same logic to what Jesus was saying about Caesar's coin and everything we've seen about it, we need to apply it to God. Because when he says, give to God the things that are God's, what does he mean? As we dive into this, we're going to see why his enemies, opposite sides of the spectrum politically, walk away from him amazed by what he said. As we see this, we have to ask ourselves a question. Since we're talking about images and images on coins, is what bears the image of God? Humanity bears the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image, and he created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So all of humanity is God's coin. We bear his image. I'm going to get excited as we go through this because this is so amazing when we think about all this. And so when Jesus says to the spies that have come up to him, you give the coin to Caesar that bears his image, what is he saying when he says you give to God the things that are God's? What are we supposed to give to God? Our very lives. So you give to Caesar just a day's wage. But you give to God your very self. Your entire life. And just like the coin to Caesar, but greater, we are to give to God his coin because we exist and live under his authority. So our lives go to God. But there's more to God's coin than just that. And this is where it gets so exciting. And having to understand what is so important about this denarius. 
Because not only is Jesus making that very plain to those who are listening, you give to Caesar what has his image on it, but you give to God what has his image on it. The implication is already there. Give Caesar his day's wage, but give God life. But there's more. Because Jesus didn't just say whose image is on that coin. He says whose image and whose inscription is on that coin. So we've seen the image of God. We are the image bearers of God. So already we see we're his coin. But what is the inscription? Oh, this is so cool. And the irony that's in there when Jesus speaks to this. What was on the front of that coin, the inscription? It said, Tiberius, son of God. Now, whose inscription is on your life? Jesus Christ, son of God. See, whereas Caesar was just a man and who would die and be no more, Jesus Christ is the true and one son of God. And so not only do we bear God's image, but we have the inscription of Jesus Christ written on our hearts. And so as Jesus is speaking to them, he knows in just a few days I go to the cross. In just a few days I die. In just a few days I rise. In just a few days I ascend. And in this there will be a new humanity. Born of the image of God, but bearing the inscription of my name. Jesus Christ, Son of God. And what's on the backside of that coin that we saw in Caesar's? Pontifex Maximus, highest priest, peace giver. And who is Jesus Christ? What does Hebrews say about him? That he is our great high priest, and in him we have peace. So we are God's coin. We bear his image, and we bear the inscription of Jesus Christ, Son of God, the great high priest. So how much more should we give our lives unto Jesus? How much more should we be identified with him? We are God's coin that bears the inscription of Jesus Christ. And so our lives must be given to him. Must be given to him. And so how does this apply to where we are right now in 2020? Well, it applies this way. Where do we show our greatest allegiance? Where do we show our greatest allegiance? It has to be greater than our political identity. It must be unto Christ. See, when Jesus is saying, give Caesar his coin, but give God his coin. You give Caesar your daily wage, but you give God everything you have. So I say again, be careful whose identity you are bearing in this season. Be careful whose identity you are bearing in this season. Be careful not to pay too much to Caesar out of an earthly allegiance. Don't give him more than what Caesar is due, only the single coin. So when it comes to November and the long lead-up that we have to November, and it comes to the current climate we have of outrage, anger, distrust, and canceling one another. Remember whose image you bear. Remember whose coin you are. You are not a donkey, and you are not an elephant. You are the child of God. 
born again in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that supersedes any political allegiance. Don't hear me say don't vote. Don't hear me say that you shouldn't research and do your homework. Don't say that you hear me say you should not be active. Jesus didn't say that. He said pay the coin. But he said don't make that your life. Your life belongs unto God. And so we must remember that as we move forward in this season. And so we must once again, as a final thought, remain unified as we move through one of the most divisive times of our day. And remember, that person you're going to speak to, don't see a donkey, don't see an elephant. See them as an image bearer of God, and more importantly, if they bear the inscription of Jesus Christ. See, that's what we want out of everybody, right? Recognize that they are God's coin, but that they need that inscription stamped on them of Jesus Christ for all eternity. And we have an opportunity to speak into that as Christians. And so even I say today, and I know that we don't really ever, can't have invitations like we used to, but if you are here this morning... And in the quiet of this, this moment as I pray, if, if your heart needs to change, if you recognize your coin is in the wrong place, pray to the Lord, oh Lord, let me see the right coin and quit paying out of my pocket the wrong thing. But maybe you're here or you are online and you don't bear the inscription of Jesus Christ, Son of God, highest priest, peacemaker, and I would offer this this morning. You may lay down your life before Christ and recognize the great coin of God that you are and give everything unto him. And if that is you, if you are here present this morning, hang back. I'll talk with you as we leave. If that's you online, leave us a message in whatever way you're watching so I can reach out to you as well. Let me pray, and then we will sing, and then Joe as soon as we're done singing, I'm going to invite you back up here in church. We will vote, and if you are online, would love your vote online as well, and then we will be dismissed. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this hour and this time to be in your house and to, Lord, see your word. Father, I pray that you would guide us, and Lord, as we step further and deeper into this season of politics, Lord, may we always remember that we are your coin, and we bear the inscription of Jesus Christ. And Father, may our allegiance not be to this earth, but Father, be to the coming kingdom that you have set aside for us and given us a taste of right now. Lord, I pray that you would work, you would move, and Father, that you would bring about your will to be done. I pray all of this in the sweet and the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.